not PCP, PCBs. I, I don't know what you're saying. It's James. a very toxic gas that's often let up when you light things like refrigerators on fire. Yeah, I, uh, I, I realized that, man, I may be the redneck when I realized that I was standing in my backyard lighting the inside of a refrigerator on fire. But you know what? I'm fine with who I am. As a nice basin to burn things as he stood next to his Weber grill. Yep. Dude, I started burning the cardboard in that, but uh, as you know, when cardboard burns, it gets very flittery and flighty, Mm -hmm. and it was slightly windy, and like, "Mm, I should probably not have just hot singes blowing throughout the neighborhood. Good call. Yeah. So let's try lighting this refrigerator (laughs) on fire. Yeah. Uh-huh. Hey, man, that's the life that I lead. Oh, jeez. And also, hey, everybody, welcome to Horror Vomit, kind of, where we talk about, right now, whatever the fuck we want, because, uh, you know, movies are still a bastard. Damn the man. Yeah, pretty much. Mm -hmm. But, James, to get us a little bit buttered up, I think I'm first anyway, but I just wanted to do a little introductory thing Mm -hmm. and make a very bold claim. Oh, let's hear it. Butter pecan is the best flavor of ice cream. Hands down. Mm. Now, I have reasons to support this. Hmm. Now, when you look at ice creams, you have your traditional boring shit, your uh, you know, your strawberries, your vanilla, your chocolate, your your standards. Mm-hmm. And then you can go the other way and you have your just absolutely insane bananas ass, you know, birthday cake with like weird gel and shit in it and whatever else you can imagine mm-hmm. that goes into ice cream. Now, the Butter Pecan is a very sophisticated adult ice cream, granted, but it's got, unless you get a very, very cheap one, it's got one of the most consistent flavors, mm-hmm. and without being very, like, abrasive, because it's got that really smooth, buttery, and sweet flavor, mm-hmm. you're not getting just your ordinary garden variety planter's peanut bullshit in there, mm-hmm. you're, you're getting a, a good nut, a quality nut. <laughs> Nothing better than a nut in the mouth, huh? Chris? Exactly, exactly. Especially when it's a quality nut. See, I was going to, I was going to counter with a separate ice cream that I find that fits that same no, nutty in my mouth. No, I, I wasn't finished yet, mm. though. And one of the things that it's got is a very smooth texture due to that because the only uh, elements that you have in it is the nuts, and you know when you're getting a bite of that. Whereas. Where I think like a, a cookies and cream, when mm-hmm. you get a big unexpected piece of cookie and you're like, oh, that's... Yeah. Eh. Or in a like a mint chocolate chip, mm-hmm. I don't care for the very hard like little pieces of chocolate that just feel like wax in your mouth mm-hmm. because they're so cold that they don't really melt. They just stick into your teeth. So I was thinking now, just, just so we can quantify, when we first talk about ice creams, we talk about ones that are either... The ability to be a flavor vehicle, let's say like your plain vanilla or your chocolate, right? That's what you add things to. Or the ones with everything in, in its in situ. Traditionally, when we talk about uh, when we're talking about that, are we talking about a quality ice cream across the board so I could compare it to the same quality of what I might well, counter yeah, with? Generally speaking, that's what I'm just saying. Okay, so as just far as all just things being equal. Your, okay. your overall flavors, because if you make ice cream, chances are you make a butter pecan. Mm-hmm. And, but you also probably make a moose tracks and, you know, so on and so forth. Because so, I was going to counter with what, pistachio, mm. which I think is the finest, most delicately flavored ice cream with the best texture. Really? Mm-hmm. Go on. 
Well, the pistachio in and of itself is a very fatty nut. And so it lends itself to the texture. When you talk about that creamy texture, there's an additional <clears throat> almost um, decadence in with it. So it, it's, a, it's almost a, it's a tiny bit different mouthfeel. But that, that nut undertone, which is something, you know, with the sweet, which is added with the nut and the praline, you know, the uh, additional sweetener, that has it much lighter naturally with the pistachio flavor. So when it gets to the sugar and cream, it's not adding even more like the praline does. So I, I think it's a more balanced flavor, like all the way across. If I'm not adding anything to it, I'm only experiencing that ice cream. If I want anything with a nut in it, it's got to be pistachio. See, I, I don't like pistachios, mm -hmm. so I, I have no rebuttal for oh, your I get claims. You. Yeah, yeah. I, I just don't happen to like pistachios. Mm -hmm. I think they're fine, but mm -hmm. if there's any other nut available, I will have that instead of a pistachio. I got you. I, I feel like they're like the Altoids of nuts. Like, either you really like them or you don't. Oh, yeah. No, I, I get it. I get it. Because to me, I, I don't know, it's such a, a subtle flavor that, to me, I figure that most people who don't, don't, don't taste it. You know what I mean? It's like some people dig cilantro, some people don't. I think it's the same with pistachio because you either taste it and it's amazing or you don't taste it at all. And you're just eating plain ice cream for the most part. So, Well, I'm going to have to look into that. I, I might put my biases aside and try some pistachio ice cream because uh, moving into the thing that I really wanted to talk about today. Mm -hmm. As I've gotten older, James, mm -hmm. tastes have changed. A lot. And one of the things that I've gained a lot of is in my uh, later years now, I, I turned 38 in a few days. So it's not like I'm an, old, an old man. But, you know, growing older, learning patience. And, you know, it takes a lot of patience, but I think is actually one of the most miraculous things that we have as a human species. Hmm. Baseball. James, I want to talk about baseball. I want you to go fuck yourself right in the neck right now. What you, What in the hell, James? I hate baseball. Oh, well, let's start there. What What is wrong with baseball? Okay, now let me preface this by saying everything is boring if you don't like it. So I can't go with it's boring. But it does take a minute for anything to happen. Yes. And... Uh, part of it is a, I, I was signed up for baseball for five years straight. I went all the way up through Pony League. I did not want to be playing baseball. So I have an extra hate for that. Um, I will say, though, that to go, I've, I've gone to see like three or four games at Wrigley Field. And I can remember my very first game at Wrigley Field. So as, as, um, as a sport, I'd rather watch, if I got to watch it, I'd rather watch soccer than, than baseball. Because at least shit's happening is that I can understand. Exactly. And I, I was looking into it because years ago I watched a documentary. I think it was called Fastball. It was just about the mechanics of the fastball. Mm -hmm. And it was so goddamn interesting. Because every once in a while I'll throw on something that like, well, this is out of my depth. Like, let's give this a try. Mm -hmm. Be it, you know, a classic film or sometimes documentaries about things that I wouldn't think that I would care about. And to listen to how the human arm throws a fastball and how bad it is for you, mm -hmm. it's miraculous that somebody can throw a ball that goddamn hard. Oh, yeah. Well, just think about, just think about any, any sport that we watch where people get paid to do whatever the fuck it is they get paid. We are talking about the freaks of nature. 
the absolute outliers, not just somebody you in order to just be a shitty guy. The shittiest guy on a major league team, any major league team, just the shittiest guy. You are better than 99% of the fucking world. Yeah, and was. you're the shittiest one. Yeah. Okay? So to <clears throat> to put it in perspective, the reason I don't like baseball is the same reason I don't like most organized sports. And it's mostly because I have absolutely no idea in, you know, interpersonal social skills. And so a team sport is antithetical to me and how I can live. So I will watch. I love watching. Well, soccer, I think it's just because I played it since I was itty bitty. Boxing. Uh, solo sports. Things, things, you know, that kind of thing I'm more interested in. But... um. I, I think the only reason I never pursued baseball, because I, I wasn't a talented, talented, but I didn't suck. You know, I, I have a tiny bit of natural athleticism, but it just like, I'm like, oh my God, I got to be with all these people and fuck a bunch of all this. And if I'm having a bad day or if they're having a bad day, I'm going to be mad at them or they're going to be mad at me. Fuck a bunch of all this. Right, but I I just wanted I wanted yeah. to get back to Sorry. just pitching in general, yeah. because I think it's fucking incredible that somebody figured out at some point, hey, if I take this ball that's just kind of stitched together and if I throw it in this particular way, that it will look like it's coming in and then it will just absolutely drop at the last second. Absolutely. And and, and to be able to do that and relatively on the mark most of the time is absurd. The, a human being figured out how to throw a curveball. Even more absurd is the person standing at the end of that fucking curveball. Okay, when you're pitching, you have these small set of, you know, changes that you can make within a certain area, okay? Mm -hmm. The person who has to hit that, there are a thousand variables, thousands and thousands of variables. How is he standing? How is he moving? He has to be able to instantaneously... Move all that information and then have the muscle memory to actually hit it. The fact that anybody can hit a ball that's not just thrown straight, but at whatever kind of angle and can still hit it consistently is just as fucking amazing. Because instead of just one thing, I'm throwing the ball, I'm trying to, trying to mess you up. The person there has absolutely has only the feedback that from a visual cue to go by to crack that ball, and yet they still manage to do that. It's it's it boggles my tiny little brain. That's one of the things that they <clears throat> talked about in that fastball documentary was the fast twitch mus muscle required to be able to hit something like that, to be able to track it, because at that distance and at that speed it is almost literally impossible to see it. Right. Because they said flat out, if you blink an eye, you will miss it because it is coming that fast. Your body has had to make the decision basically before your mind does. Yeah, that's what they said. It's part of it. What makes a really good hitter is having that fast twitch muscle and the instinct of what it looks like it's here swing in this direction. And think about all that with a check swing. Not only did you... Not only did you make that, you started to make that decision, yet stopped it knowing that it was wrong. 
So you went through this entire thing and stopped it so you did not accept any more penalties in like that billionth of a fucking second. And when it comes to, you know, because like there was Nolan Ryan who was just an incredible pitcher. Also one of the most inaccurate because he threw so fucking hard. But when you're standing at a plate, it's they're not just zinging fastballs at you. And it's not all in one spot. And it sounds ridiculous to say, but, you know, when you're watching it, like, yeah, they're a professional athlete. They should expect a ball, however, to come from wherever and whatever. But, like... <laughs> The mechanics of a changeup, to where <coughs> just where you hold the ball where, while releasing it puts enough friction on it for it to look like it's going to be 90 miles an hour and be 85. They were, I saw, um, it was a Japanese pitcher. It was um, an old, they had um, a way that they could throw the ball. It only went about 40 miles an hour, but it went in a straight line without spinning fucked everybody's day up yeah and um there was one person that they in the major leagues at this time that could throw it and it was the goofiest looking thing you ever saw but the um that could be coming at you and conversely as a, a even with fast twitch muscles if something's coming 105 at you and they're pissed at you and decide to you know edge you off the plate a little bit or throw a little inside or even even just yeah. bean you can you know what it fucking feels like to get beaned with a I've been beaned probably the fastest ball I've ever been hit with was probably sixty five. Mm-hmm. And that was fucking nasty. Yeah. Like people get fucked up from that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like I said, it just why why would somebody learn how to throw like a knuckleball? Well, because it's cool. Like there's no other applicable reason that that's just hey, that's baseball. Well and the other thing too is after a while, think about exactly how many pitches have been thrown and swung at since baseball has been invented. So let's say initial progress is slow. Um, they figure out a curve. They figure out this. Now they are trying, once there's money on the line, any edge, any, hey, dude, I heard of a guy in the farm league that throws this weird pitch. That's how the knuckleball came because they wanted to see that guy hit every time he came on base because we only have these 10 pitches. Now watch this one. And and so the this tiny it had to be again little tiny incremental weird weirdness. Mm-hmm. And some of it actually came from physical deformities. Some of the weird pitches they have now, one guy had part of his finger missing could still pitch, but he's curving and doing all kinds of weird shit. So they they learned to you know knock your knuckle under when they threw it. To imitate the that messed up finger. Uh huh. So yeah, it's, it's the crazy. Adaptability and honestly, one of my like I will still watch them regularly on YouTube. Is like just baseball fielding highlights because it's ninety feet from home plate to first base or so. Mm-hmm. Ninety mile an hour fastball. Somebody hits that coming off a bat at what 75, 80, Would you say? I I don't know. I don't actual, know. But no, either way, it's got to be coming. Lightning hard. fast. Some of these guys, the ability to react, to jump, you know, several feet in one direction, mm-hmm. focus on catching a ball that just skipped off the ground at a weird angle, and then getting up and having the laser precision to wing it all the way to first base. It's 
Some of that shit, like we talk about pitching and being able to be precise. Oh, there's guys catching them line drives that are directly at you from the batter to the pitcher. We're we're talking, however short that is from there to there, that quick, just zooming right pop, just pull it out of the air. Mm -hmm. How much of your hand would be left, personally, if you caught one of those motherfuckers? If you were even able to catch that? Yeah, it's going to hurt. I don't think I would have a hand left. All my bones would have turned to dust. Just dust and jelly inside mm-hmm. a weird flibbity flobbity uh, container. <laughs> I'd have to get some Skelligro. Yeah, man. Like, it's it is absolutely incredible to watch these guys. And like I said, pitchers are expected to be pretty precise, and most of the time they're not. And that's part of the game is throwing balls that mm-hmm. look like they're going to be in the strike zone. But these guys that can go catch uh, or grab a line drive that bounced off the back wall, mm-hmm. and some of those dudes can wing it from the outfield to home plate pretty goddamn accurately. You know what? That's incredible, Jay. I was just thinking, though, for like um, all four of our listeners, if any of them are into sports, they're sitting there going, you guys yeah, are idiots. That, that's what sports is. Yeah, that's that very, that's, you're talking about the most basic things in sports, which are. Conversely, the most amazing thing because to a professional, that's just, you know, I woke up this morning and I can do that. That's just, I can't not do that if that is happening. It's just, it's going to happen that way. But to anybody, especially to a non-sports person, I know from the, you know, I, I had from the training that I've had in boxing or any of this small amount of sports that I've done, it, it can get as deep and as crunchy as it ever can possibly be when you don't think there are any more variables there's two more things that you can learn about that one thing i've seen like a a, like a punch broken down from tip of the toe all the way across to movement broken down into 15 different separate movements each one drilled separately so can you imagine so i i I take that and extrapolate to things that i I could not possibly do or want to do Mm mm-hmm so. And that's what, like, I understand baseball's not, like, the most exciting game because it does take a while. And that's one of the other things, again, getting older and kind of being patient. I know for a fact that if I want to take a nap, try to watch baseball. And it's something that I even kind of enjoy, but watching baseball on TV, it, it'll relax the living shit out of you. Mm-hmm. Because especially when, again, because I like the art of pitching, I try and watch each one, you know, mm-hmm. and just like, oh, that was cool. What was that? What was that pitch? What was that? Because I don't know what they all look like. You know, announcers can tell all these crazy things. And, you know, like you said, these little variables like, oh, well, that was a fast curveball. Like, oh, it just looked cool as shit. Like, I would have zero chance of ever hitting that. But, I mean... Going to a baseball game, as long as we're just talking about the entire mm. envelopment of baseball, I mean, it, I, I, I'm i not a big hoorah America, but like, there is something kind of uniquely American about sitting down, eating a hot dog, and sitting at a baseball game, because you pay attention to a baseball game, what, 25% when you're there? Unless you're me. Oh, I mean, otherwise, you know. I think I, I saw some guys run a couple times. I was say, otherwise, you know, eating hot dogs, bullshitting with your friends, dicking around. Whatever. Chucking batteries. I mean, I'm, I'm... Well, if you're in Philly, then... Wrigley yeah. Field. Well, that too. You dirty Chicago bastards. <laughs> they awful, clean. awful people you are. So the difference between when I went, I think I went to my first game in 76, 70, yeah, 75, 76. 
the difference between Wrigleyville and Wrigley Field in 75, 76, to the last time I went to go to Wrigley Field, which was in 90, I want to say 99, maybe 2000, they were complete. it was like if I took two pictures, you wouldn't even think it was the same place. It just got so nice and gentrified, which I love the fact that you can go to a game and are safer than you've ever been before. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you're still in Chicago, though, so keep your wits about you, but... Oh, yeah, I didn't say be stupid. I'm just saying, you know, if you're from Chicago, you're like, oh, wow, this is nice. Yeah. Whew. Like I said, it, it, I'm not one of those, like, I want to go to all the major league parks before I die. Not, not at all. I think not you need even. to see once. And you know what was fun is I went to um, the most fun I've had watching a ball game is um, the minor league teams. Yep. They're putting up those nice little parks. And they're just like you know, smaller versions of a big league park, but you go there and, and everything doesn't smell like piss and, you know, mm-hmm. family. You can bring your whole family up there. And even, like, for me, I've done it just to get my kid, you know, get my oldest out of the house. And we all went out to a ball game and then they have horse races in the middle of it. And, you yeah, know. Yeah, there's, there's all the fanfare. Yeah. There. If, in, if not, again, I don't think I've been to a major league game in fucking 10, 15 years. And Plus, even- you know, those players give a fuck. Because they're still trying to, they're still trying to move up from AAA to, to major, so they're playing their asses off. Uh huh. So you're watching. If you're into the sport itself, you're like, oh god, these guys. Okay, that guy's good. I wonder where he's going. Is do you think he might make majors? You know, you're gonna, you can add to your interest in that way. And I will find. I will say this. I can't stand football for the most part. I don't give a flying fuck about football in the slightest. But one of my roommates, um. Well, I moved in his place. Um, he was a at one time a college football coach, and one time the, the games on and I, when the games are on, I'm talking the minute games start on Friday night until the time he goes to bed. Then he went to bed on Sunday night. There was a football game on completely, and I would think that I would hate every second of it. But I'd walk in the room, and he's like, James. And I'm like, what? He's like, okay, watch this. See that guy over there with the number twenty? He's, okay, he's gonna go up and over. And you, why he's doing that? Because you see the big fat guy over there? Because he's trying to... And I'm sitting there going, uh-huh, yeah, oh, wow. And I'm fucking excited because all of a sudden, everything means something. Everything they do has a reason. So I have always wondered why those little fuckers ran off in the back of the line. What are they doing? Don't they know where to go? You know, still, there's reasons they're doing it. I'm like, oh, shit. That, okay. But if I don't know any of those, like any other time, I'd just be like, I don't care. Yeah, and football I have a big problem with because, like, baseball's minorly exciting when it's exciting. But, like, football is genuinely exciting, but then you have to wait another 40 seconds for them to get off a of play mm-hmm. so that they can all group up and tell each other what to do. Like, What's man, that? let's keep this fucking bullshit during a roll, guys. Well, I mean, I'm not the hugest um, soccer fan. But if I'm going to watch a sport, it's going to be soccer, especially World Cup. Just, you know, I'm going to watch teams. And that's just tradition. That's how I grew up. But the, 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 um, I never understood, like, the divisions and how, how people get that far into it that, you know, I, it boggles my mind. Yes, it's amazing, but I, I've never understood the draw. Uh, of, like, starting a street gang revolving around uh, yeah. a, a football club? Yes. Yeah. Um, that, bas- basing your colors off your home team? Yeah. So. I mean, it's the same thing with the Raiders. <laughs> I mean, oof. 
There's a well, fun group of people. Well, um, a lot of Chicago gang colors are based on either college teams or regular teams. So there you go. The Bears. Mm-hmm. The Hoyas. The Paul. Yeah, I, like I said, I, I don't have too much else to say except for, like, I, I do think baseball is a very interesting sport. And it's, it, it's, it's more complex than I think people give it credit for because, I mean... It's almost the same thing with watching movies, you know. Mm-hmm. You don't realize how much goes into all of this until you sit and try and learn all of it. And you go, oh, oh, so these guys have to be, like, good at everything. I do. I do. This is something you might, you pay attention to it more than I. I haven't given a fuck about baseball since, well, since ever. So as a complete outsider, I see the rise in other sports. Like, when I think of big sports, I'm thinking NBA. I'm thinking NFL. Mm-hmm. And and I'm thinking, you know, World Cup soccer. I'm thinking, you know, Premier League. I'm thinking all these things. I don't think of baseball anymore as like a, the superpower that it was. It, do you, I wonder if it's the same as it was or is it dying or are the parks still doing the same as they always have? Or I, I, I don't know. And I also like I don't follow baseball like religiously. It's just something that if it happens to be on it, I'm going to watch it because I find it interesting. If it's on like if I'm out to dinner or something and there's a ball game on, mm. I will absolutely watch that instead of whatever else is on any of the other TVs mm. or something. And just because I, I, I do find it fascinating that it's it seems like low key one of the more boring sports, but the athleticism that these guys have to have—oh my god—is yeah. so underrated. And it's not like they used to be. You can't just be some lard ass and that can that can whack it out of the park because if if you cannot perform in other aspects and you can't run your fucking ass to the next base, it doesn't matter how many dingers you hit because you. I've got 10 other guys that can hit what you can hit and run the fucking base. All uh-huh. right. So you're not getting that. And in fact, in almost all of the sports, you're not getting, you know, the guys that just came out of the factory that's, that are going to kick your fucking ass. It doesn't matter. They just don't look the part. You, you're not getting that anymore because you just can't. It's you have like, in order to be a pro nowadays, you had to start when you were four mm-hmm. and, and work. And you, were. and you had to be related to somebody and you had to know because, you know, there are, even though it's the 1%, they're, the just under where everybody's fighting to get that, just that last little part where the 1% might loosen up a little bit. Mm-hmm. There are so many people that are that good, but not quite. And it's littered with them. That's why you have the, you know, that's why you have the, um, the three-point basketball leagues. That's why you have the... Um, like a lot of guys are amazing football players, but never got over a buck eighty, because they're five seven or five four. Yep. They got shorty leagues, so these guys can play, and they're fucking. You want to talk about some football? Go to see one of those football games where everybody's five five. And every one of those motherfuckers, I would not. I would. I would weigh three hundred pounds. I'd be like, Mm-mm, no, why? Because they know how to play football for real, real. <laughs> One of the other things that I will give baseball above all else, last point I'm going to make, you want to see some bitchin' sports fights? Go watch some baseball fights. Because those dudes can knock each other the fuck out. Because there's no fucking padding. No. At all. Because <laughs> I was my my initial thought was a hockey fight. And I'm like, no, everybody's padded up. 
Right, and you know, you pull the <coughs> pull the jersey over the head, and hockey fights nine times out of ten aren't really that bad of blood. It's to get everybody riled up, and mm-hmm. you, you know, you can hear the guys on the ice be like, "Hey, you want to do it? All right, well, let's do this." Baseball fights, not so much. You want to watch Nolan Ryan knock uh, Robin Ventura right the fuck out? Yeah, go watch that shit. And Pedro usually, Martinez punching that old man and just throwing him on the ground? Hell yeah, dude. And traditionally, when I think of fights like between players, in baseball, it's usually not... It's not an everyday, all-the-fucking-time occurrence, so when it happens... It's vicious. It's been it's been simmering for a minute. It's it's been waiting to happen. Yeah, and there's thirty dudes out there just fucking rocking up in cleats, fucking metal cleats, with access to bats. Which mm. is funny that bats don't get used. Really. <coughs> no, it's not because it's kind of like a gentleman's agreement. Like, well, all right, well, we're not going to use this weapon. I'm just going to punch you in the head. Not only that, but every single one of those motherfuckers can swing the shit out of a bat. So I think everybody's like, well, we can go to being in the hospital or being dead. I think bats are off the table. Yep. yep. Nobody, nobody needs a murder charge for Mm-mm. the baseball game. So that's all I got, James. That's baseball. It. It's good. People should watch it. Yeah. Or not. Yeah, or don't. I don't fucking care what you do with your free time. <coughs> oh, wow. You, you all right over there, Coffee Jim? Yeah, yeah, I'll be okay. All right. So what have you What have you got for me, you you fine-looking fine man, you? Tee-hee. You, um, you, you sex panther. You know, I can't help myself. Oh. It's going to be my next tattoo. Those forearm right here. Big old panther. Don't do that. The cigarette hanging I, out of his mouth. I, I will make fun of you till the end of time. If you at fifty six years old, you go get a panther tattoo. A forearm panther tattoo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's gonna rule. And on the other side, I get a big old cross with a light coming off it. Uh huh. Just right here on this part of the forearm. Yeah. And then I'm gonna get you a big fucking jean jacket with an Ario Speedwagon patch on the. Well, back. if I get that, then I got to get the North Star right here on, on the. Left All right. Side. What have you got for me, you delaying son of a bitch? <laughs> I talk about starting things late in life. Oh boy, here we go. Uh huh. It's a, it's it's a it's a real treat, James. And I, I mean that a little bit seriously and a little bit sarcastically, uh-huh. because again, I'm not quite as old as you are. But I don't think anybody is, Chris. I I'm not uh, starting from a, a young person's point of view when trying to learn all of these things. And mm-hmm. It's a, it's a real hurdle sometimes. Indeed, it is, but. You know, I think about, uh, it's been like a heavy thought, too, um, about all the years I spent addicted and why I was addicted, besides the fact that I'm genetically predisposed to be like another drink, is uh, I had a shit ton of undiagnosed mental issues and and stuff like that. So if I take a look back, uh, there's absolutely no way I could have started to do anything earlier in life. I made attempts, like, you know, I basically joined the military to um, figure out what the fuck I was going to do because I had absolutely no idea and I was not to be trusted on my own. So the best thing for me to do is join the service. And quite frankly, it was probably the best thing I ever did. But I, I, I say all that to say this, it, it's taken up until about the last 10 to 12 years to have any um, sense of me as a human being, as an actual person. And in the last five, a person with value. 
So I, I, I was thinking about that because I found some old pictures of when I got my associate's degree. And it was at the time, um, I think my oldest was about six or five or six, maybe six or seven in there. And I was thinking about um, how I was not going to go get my, uh, my diploma. And my dad got one and said, hey, here you go, buddy. <laughs> you can go to school or you can go to the hospital and then go to school. And I'm like, I went to school, yeah. <laughs> you know, but, um, it took me, I, I was in that. I wanted to be able to say if my, my oldest at any time said, I don't want to go to college. I'd be like, my dumbass went to college. You You're going to too. college. Yeah. And, um, so I did that. I got a, a degree in applied technology. I learned how to weld. How's, how's that going? Well, you know, the funny thing is, right when I got my certs, that a lot of the, I live here in beautiful Michigan, and a lot of the plants were laying off. So <clears throat> a lot of guys needed jobs and got the jobs because they had experience and they weren't taking guys out of school. It was great, and I couldn't go try to get a job at any of the factories because, well, they just laid everybody the fuck off. Mm-hmm. So it worked out great. No, the, what it did, though, was it opened up with the possibility that I could actually do this. And so not only did I get my associate's degree, I made Phi Theta Kappa, which is you you have to maintain a certain grade point average and whatever. And I did that half medicated and half unmedicated. About halfway through there, I discovered that I had off the charts ADHD. So once I was medicated, I went from having to study and spend, let's say, you know, a full-time job being a parent. And then spending 30 to 40 hours in my books reading, jumping from back and forth, trying to sort through notes, to taking a pill and go, oh, wow, just took notes in class. I, I, I can do this. I read the book. I, I took notes in class that I can access. And all I got to do is read it 10 minutes before the test. And I can, oh, shit, it's not a fucking secret. It's my brain didn't work right. So, But, you know, then all of a sudden I had all these things. But... I was succeeding in one thing. I started a family. I have moved myself up in my uh, highest position I've ever been in any of my jobs, quite frankly. Um, and so I was writing on that, but up and all of a sudden I realized that I had never done any of the things that I'd wanted to do for me, anything that kind of tickled my fancy because, you know, when you're busy being a dad and you're busy making the money and you're busy doing all these things, the yeah, last person you think... Do, busy doing life, right. man. It... Yeah, and it's tough. Not to say that I wasn't doing a thing, okay? Because I was. Family, you know, that is a thing. But outside of that, I had no identity as a person. I am my job. And I don't know how it is for everybody else, but specifically in Mexican culture, it doesn't matter who the, what the fuck you do or whatever you go out and do, whatever, as long as you make that paycheck and you, if you work 80 hours a week, you'd be the biggest douchebag in the world. You brought the money home and boom. You are your job. And I'd never been able to think of myself anything outside of what I could earn. You know what I mean? That, that was the I, only value. I absolutely do know what you mean. <laughs> because I, I don't know if that's even so much uh, just Mexican culture. I think a lot of like Midwest small town is that exactly. Where, you know, wife stays home. I, like I, I know people like this. I work with them mm-hmm. at my current job. And wife stays home this guy goes out and makes money Mm -hmm. that that's just how it works and Mm -hmm. it's 
it's just how it is. <laughs> yeah. So I again, I, I I came to a position where I was able to. Well, it kind of started tripping up with the, when I started this podcast. It kind of pulled me. Oh shit! I do not only. You know, I had to stop and think. Okay, everything takes time. Nobody's funny right away. I'm not going to be great right away. Um, the fact that it lasted as long as it did gave me the impetus to, you know, sign up for the improv class. When I was in improv class, I'm like, oh, wow, I can actually do this. This is not, I, usually I have to grind for everything that I've ever done ever. Nothing comes naturally to me. I'm not gifted at anything, but I can kind of half-ass do anything, even with no instruction. I, there's nothing I could, couldn't do. Yeah. But Give, I'm given just, enough time and familiarity, yeah. I can yeah. generally figure out a lot of things. But I and I also, won't suck. Yeah, I also I don't have just a natural penchant really for anything. Like it, it does seem like everything that I knew that I tried to do, as far as you know, we're talking about doing yeah. new things later in life. There's always some speed bump mm-hmm. that I really have to get over, and it, whether it be large or small. It's really hard for me to do that because I do get very discouraged at things really quickly. Mm-hmm. But I have a tendency of putting something down for a little bit, a couple mm-hmm. months, and then I'll pick it back up and go, okay, did I actually like doing this and just got frustrated because I didn't quite understand it and I need to learn more? Mm-hmm. Or did I genuinely not like this? <laughs> and that's a tough one, too, because also think about, at my age specifically, too, I don't have a lot of time to find my thing. You know, if I'm going to succeed at anything, I have to find that thing and do it and start doing it now in order to have anything viable from whatever comes out of my brain. So I I think it's interesting that, you know, I don't think because I didn't have diagnosis, I didn't have anything, I might have had a modicum of talent at any one thing. Let's say I did, and we discovered it when I was 20. I would have fucking imploded because I, you know, my ADHD, and I'd have found the spectrum it, disorder, all it, that I shit. I would have found any reason not to do the thing that I was Absolutely. I would have been that weird, crippled genius in the corner that puts out one thing every 10 years and goes back and you know you've got to slide the food under the door you know Uh so i am finally in a position now and and again it was kind of tripped by this you know we we've done it we continue to do it and you know i used to dread it because it was a fucking horror movie and i hated horror movies and why the fuck did i start this but it was more than horror movies once i started i listened to a few of our episodes and i'm like even after just two from me i'm like me just pulling this out of my ass and trying to figure out what we're doing is just as good, if not better, than half the ones I've listened to on purpose. Uh-huh. And, it, and there's, uh, I've noticed when watching, you know, getting further into film itself, and watching some of these movies, you start to break through that, like, uh, like that sheen, I guess, of like, oh, well, this is what these movies are about. They're scary or this is what these kind of movies are about it's this and oftentimes when you can see through just what's being blatantly shown to you and start to pick up on things that oh they did this because of this and they did this because of this it really has propelled uh at least my interest in getting to making Mm -hmm. making films because 
with zero training. I didn't go to school, obviously. We have to figure all this out from scratch. And we have to figure out how to do it with no money. So how do you do that? Well, you just do it. Practice. Mm -hmm. You figure it out. And, and in fact, I think some of the coolest films that I've seen, I wouldn't say we're exactly outsider outsiders, but people were just like, oh, shit. You know, we got a chance to do this, and we only have this much to do it. They figured it the fuck out, and they just took their passion and their love of what they're doing, and they made this. And, and I'm not talking about, like, Mono's Hands of Fate. I'm not talking about The Room. I'm talking about, you know, basic journeyman people that maybe just had a couple cameras, and they knew two guys that wrote pretty good, and they knew three actors and actresses, and, you know, and they put together something that's, you know, we wouldn't say great, but if you can put something together good with that, I am more fascinated by that than any 10 films made by auteurs. I said, I think it was, I'm pretty sure it was the, that movie, uh, Caveat, that we did forever ago. Yeah. Where it took the dude two years to edit it. Like, he had, like, worked a job and would just come home and do it in his spare time. And, like, granted, yeah, there's flaws or whatever, but when you factor in, like, Man, somebody just did this. Mm -hmm. They just went and did it. What's fucking stopping us from doing any of that? And that's where, again, I think the learning to do things later in life mm -hmm. is almost more of a blessing than uh, getting to it when we were young. Because while we could have been, you know, building that foundation and what have you, how serious would we have taken it? No, because I guarantee you, if we'd have done, if I'd have done this when I was younger, using or not using. It, this would have been, I, I would have found, oh shit, dude, I got a game tonight. Fuck it. We're going to have to do this. We'll, we'll put it off. We'll put it off. I got a hundred other things and I'd still do it. But I, I would, I, when I was, when I was in my twenties, I didn't have a fucking voice. No. I was just spouting whatever shit sounded cool in my head with no thought to what it meant or who it hurt or mm -hmm. what it did. And I was prone to anger and I was self-righteous and you know, all the joys of being 20. You know, fresh out of serving, fucking tell me nothing. Go eat a dick, you know? Yep, and it's, you know, a couple of things that we, or at least that I've, like, written up kind of. You look back on it after, you know, a little bit of kind of, like, looking at it, and you go, okay, reading it objectively, like, this isn't, like, what in my brain made me go in this direction? Because going back, it's, you know, it's having that patience of being a little bit older, and being able to look at it objectively and say, this isn't good. Or, okay, well, I don't know where I was going with this, because that could be very much construed as the wrong message. So how about I backpedal and not include something, you know, along those lines. Mm -hmm. and again, it's that getting older and realizing where the limits are and what you need to do to at least having a modicum of success and we don't know anything about any sort of industry mm -mm. at all we don't know the business side of any of this but it's the having the patience to figure it all out well not only that but if you think about <clears throat> a distinct voice the only reason we're listenable is a lot of people have to develop what we just developed you know just hanging out in kitchens talking shit on stage someplace where they'd have to do that we when I'm waiting tables, it's a, a separate performance, each table, because I'm, you know, whatever, I've got to figure out what that table wants, because I need to make money today. Oh, you don't like a talkie waiter. I'm, I'm shut up waiter. Oh, you want me to run you through the menu. I'm going to take you for a tour of the entire menu and how the fucking oven works, okay? You know, 
I'm tailoring each performance to each person, you know? And speaking that way, or when we talked after work, when you're talking about the fucking ostriches and shit. Oh, yeah. When uh, Australia declared war on ostriches and lost. Mm-hmm. But there, there was... That, Not that, ostriches, emus, but emus. still. Yeah, fucking long neck, stabby things with fucking feet, yeah. Yeah, evil birds, yeah. regardless. Yeah, I wouldn't fuck with them, no. But, um... You know, but you had you have a voice that you've developed over time in the kitchen. You know, we're, we're talking, we're all entertaining each other. We're kind of you know going back and forth because mm-hmm. otherwise it's a fucking grimy drag. Yeah, you don't you don't behave in a kitchen job how you behave in regular society. That's it's an elevated version. It's yeah. an whatever's going by in the kitchen, and then that's when you find out how far you can push shit before it gets too far. Unfortunately, I have a skewed version of that having worked in restaurants. Mostly what I what's normal too far for me is way too far for most people. Mm-hmm. But it, again, we we have a distinct voice which makes us different. And I wouldn't have had that as a youth. I wouldn't have had been able to because I'm not going on stage to hone my voice. Mm-hmm. You know? And I you're still even you know early mid 20s still uh, very malleable to mm-hmm. the world around you and your beliefs and what have you can change very, very quickly. Oh yeah. And I think getting a, a little, like we said, a little older really kind of cements you into what you believe in because you start softening up on some of the hard stances that you took. And then some of the hard stances that you took, just, well, that was kind of silly. I didn't, I didn't need to be that way about it because i didn't consider these other things mm-hmm. like you said in starting things later in life there's a lot more to consider and we have to want to do it the other thing too is for example one of my classes costs two hundred dollars now two hundred dollars is a decision okay yes it's a thought process god that's depressing not really i mean i'm in a position where i can make those decisions right which is not depressing but $200 is a major purchase. You know, that's the bottom line. Anything up till about then, as long as we don't do a bunch of them, yeah, we, I trust if we know how much is on the bank. But, you know, something with $200, so now something's riding on that money. So it's not just me going to the class and if I don't like it, fuck it. No. I spent 200 motherfucking dollars on it, and mm-hmm. I'm going to squeeze every drop of knowledge I can get out of that class. I'm going to find out if they have half hour after class and a half hour before class. I'm getting with people outside of class doing class shit. And I'm going to put effort in while I'm there. And I'm mm. going, yeah, getting in what I, sh- or getting out of it what I should be getting out of it mm. rather than having a stick up your ass mm. going in there being like, well, I mean, this is all just kind of silly and stupid. I was, I was very pleasantly surprised when I took my first improv class because I made the assumption that I was going to be hanging out with 10, 19-year-old, 19 to 25-year-olds, mm-hmm. and then my old ass. And the youngest person was in their 30s. I was, I was the oldest, but there were a couple within three or four years of me. And I'm like, oh, wow. And the talent level, we have one guy actually made the actual rep company from his first thing because he'd done it before in another state. And he was taking it as a formality, basically. I didn't even know that until after the class was over. I'm like, oh, you know shit. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. I was wondering, I said, how the fuck do you come in here? How did you do that open? What did you do? You know, because <clears throat> I've, I've learned to ask questions to get people to talk. But in improv, you, you don't start with questions. Questions can 
come organically, but you don't start a scene with questions. You start a scene with statements. I'm yeah, you, you don't start something by immediately slamming on the brakes and making someone come up with a real hard decision immediately. Right. But I, I said, you know, how did you do that? Or how did you get that? Because anytime you would get something, it's like whatever it is that you get, just accept 100% like that is the only answer that there could ever have been ever in the entire world and just run with it. I'm like, I learned more from just that one, just that conversation than I did for any 10 hours of that class. Just those, those two little bits of information. Mm -hmm. But it was amazing that I was around with another bunch of older people. And I'm like, I wonder if that's more common now than it ever was. I don't know. Probably. Yeah. Because we have more access, more access to be able to do things. I can do something online that I could only do at class, you know, and I have more options of time. You know, it used to be, you know, any time between, especially, you know, I've worked, what, um, four to midnight, four to one in the morning for 20 odd goddamn years, you know, or when I didn't do that, I was an overnight to find something to do in those odd times, you now there's courses for it. Then you, you take a course that's you know two hours earlier. You can take it at two o'clock in the morning when your time someplace else. Mm-hmm. But you're, if you're always up there, you take the goddamn course, and that shit was not possible before. So I don't. Know, I, I guess what I think the biggest takeaway of any of this is that there's two best times to start something. The first time to start is when you're five years old. Yep. And the second time to start is right fucking now. You know, if I stopped to think about clock is ticking on anything, I would just give up and not do anything. Mm-hmm. We, but then I was thinking, well, the clock's ticking anyway. It's either ticking, I can sit on my ass, or it can tick and I can create something and do something. It, does it matter to you or not? And, and oddly, it does. If I, if I felt like I was going to miss the podcaster for any reason, this was gone. I try not to think about it because I don't have a whole lot of sense of permanence in a general and anything, quite frankly. You know, if I don't see my mom for a year, I miss my mom occasionally until I see her. And then I'll like, I felt like shit for the entire year. I didn't see my, but it does, my brain doesn't quite work that way. Not to say that this is more important or anything, but because this has been such a constant in my daily life, you know, I think about this at least a couple times a week even if I'm not doing this. And then we do this, and there's something tangible. I've listened to old episodes. I would feel a, I would feel a sense of loss for not having a creative outlet. And so because of that, I think doing things later in life has given me more impetus to try harder. Because I've never succeeded. And I'm not talking about numbers, because obviously we have six listeners. No, you know what I mean. Yeah. No, that's about accurate. Yeah. But, um, but the success is that I can point to however many hundred shows or however many shows I've done, I've done those and they are, there's not a sucky one. There's ones that are better than others. There's one or two that we knocked out of the fucking park, but we have a good run of good solid shows. They're not great. They're not horrible. They're good. They're just right there. And that's fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just, that's just amazing. And I also, what I love about this too is if somebody just randomly threw a topic on the table, threw some microphones down in front of us and we had to vamp for an hour, we could actually do it. And yeah. it, it wouldn't be the worst thing you ever heard. No. 
Because, I mean, it's, it's gotten to the point where this is pretty natural. We, we do this quite frequently. Mm-hmm. So, I mean... Should start carrying mics around and shit. So when we're standing having a cigarette outside, we could do two more shows. I'm not shows. doing any of that. I'm, fuck no. I mean, I do have those wireless mics that we could use for constant, but no, fuck a bunch. Yeah, of that. let's no. not do that. <laughs> we you, don't. We don't need to be on mic all the time. Can you imagine if we accidentally turned on mic on? On times where really they shouldn't. Because man, I'm gonna tell you what I take. Uh, quite frequently, do I take a real soupy poopy? Oh yeah. And nobody needs to hear that Mm-mm. on mic. Or do they? I I don't think anybody would appreciate that, and the people that would, we don't need. No, no, we don't need that. <clears throat> That's a rather specific I, OnlyFans lane. Yeah, I don't, I don't need that in my life. I, I got enough mm-hmm. going on. I don't need some weirdo that's like, do the poops again, do the poops. No, thank you. S- starting sending you a bunch of raisin bran and laxatives. I mean, I'll eat the raisin bread. Not really, because I don't really like raisins. Nature's fruit, my or nature's candy, my ass. Mm-mm, it's my Gross. favorite cereal. Fucking grody. All fucking glumpy mess with the chewy raisins. Mm, cold ass milk. Yeah. Uh, no, thank you. More raisins are gross. Hey, James. Yes. Hey, where can people find us? They can find us at horrorvomitpodcast at gmail.com. They can find us on the Facebook. We have our own little horror vomit site. Um, we like to answer stuff, or I do. You know, so if you got any suggestions, anything you want us to hear us talk about, please get on the site. And yeah, you got something to fucking say? Go ahead and say it. You know, go, I get, go ahead and fucking say it. I got spare time. I'll answer that motherfucker too. Yeah, bring bring it on with your with your promotion huh. of our show yeah, and yeah. you, you motherfuckers interacting with us as yeah. human beings and not like the trained monkeys that we know you. you think that we are you sons of bitches yeah don't make me throw poop you i will throw poop at you i I will get a i will cut my hands and get a handful of that soupy poopy and i will splash it on you You get all pollock on your ass like like i was collecting rainwater from a ditch Mm -mm -mm. gross (laughs) you can also find us where all good podcasts are potted and uh, if you wanted to leave us five stars or a five-word review where reviews are available, mm-hmm. uh, winkity-wink to Apple Podcasts, uh, please do that. It really does help us in the old algorithm. Gets it out there so that we can uh, pursue our dreams off of that fat, fat podcast money. Oh, that sweet, sweet podcast money. Oh, it was almost this as... This is stupid. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Um, when I did do the band thing... I did it with a punk rock band, which is where all the money is, let me tell you. All the money and women you never want. No, there's none of that. Yeah, it's it's a, yeah. It's a thing. Yeah. Oh, uh, You can also find me occasionally uh, playing video games on Twitch at horror underscore vomit underscore Chris. I've been playing that old Diablo 4, mm. a game that just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. I'm and still going to get it. The Man, minute I can. It's so bad. I turned, like, I've been trying to play it, and, like, it just, it'll freeze up or rubber band you back several uh, yards from where you were. And, man, it's just getting tremendously frustrating. Well, see, I'm holding out because the, the only two games that I've played consistently, we t- we've, of course, covered this, has been Baldur's Gate and Diablo. Played all of them. New Baldur's Gate's out, too. I heard. It's out now? Yeah. You have lost me forever. <laughs> yeah. My own, well, actually, luckily for me, I'm... I, I'm over, it just came out, so it's very expensive, Jay. I know, I understand. I'm over budget as it is, so um, that will not be happening. But the, <laughs> Poverty the, saves the day, whoosh. yet again. 
But um, yeah, the the minute I have enough money to purchase that game, I, I will have uh, <clears throat> I will be sitting in a diaper in front of my in front of my uh, television, and the world will have been lost to me. Well, that sounds fantastic, James. On that note, I can't wait until that happens. Push the button. <laughs> You're a disgusting human being, James. I am a horrible, horrible You're man. I'm a monster. Filth monster. You know who else is a filth monster? That bastard Jeff. Right.